If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at Pain Nonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. Don't Hide the Scars, a weekly podcast focused on addiction and recovery. Created by the nonprofit Pain, parents and addicts in need, and founded by Flint Anderson. Welcoming to Don't Hide the Scars, Lisa Smithcamp, Fresno County District Attorney, as well as uh, Dean O.C., Fresno Police Department, part of the Fort Division which is the fentanyl overdose resolution team. Thank you for joining us. Um, I mean, this is a serious area that we wanted to get into. And Flint, I mean, where did you want to start? Because you had so many different things that you want to talk to these folks about. Yeah, first of all, I just want to say thank you for for joining us. I mean, these are two of my favorite people in the entire world. And they they put their heart and soul and lives, you know, into, into what they do and helping this community with the fentanyl crisis and the opioid crisis and every crisis, you know, that we deal with here. And I have nothing but respect for, for, for these folks. But I would I would kind of like to start out with with, um, you know, just talking about the overdose scene, so to speak, right now, where we're at. Are we seeing increases? Are we seeing decreases? What what is going out? What's going on out there? You know, we're seeing hills and valleys. Some weeks we don't have any overdoses uh, or overdose deaths. And then we'll have a month like this past month where we've had 11 overdoses mm-hmm. and uh, and several deaths. So it's it's peaks and valleys. Uh, um, it, it hasn't stopped. Um, it's, uh, the, the issue that we're seeing now is, is, is the Narcan issue. Mm. Obviously, uh, Narcan, uh, obviously, uh, reverses the effects of an opioid overdose. But what we're hearing now and what we're seeing now, especially in our younger, our younger kids is that they're doing what's called the buddy system or the wingman system. So for example, uh, you know, myself and one of my friends order up an, uh, an M30 pill or fentanyl. We decide today it's my turn to watch my friend. Uh, if he goes down or overdoses, I administer Narcan to him, uh, and then he comes back. Well, unfortunately, what's happening now is is that they're not calling 911. They're not seeking medical attention, which you're supposed to do after you experience an, uh, you know, an opioid overdose and you administer Narcan, um, and they're not doing that. And we need to tell, uh, especially young adults, that you know if you do administer Narcan, that you do need to call 911, that you need, do need to seek medical attention, you do need to go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so important that, you know, you can administer Narcan and then not seek medical attention and then overdose again or be put go to sleep or, or, or not wake up. So it's important that we get that message out. Yeah, there's a real conception that it's some kind of fix-all, and it is not. It, yeah. it is just we are, we are trying to sustain you long enough so that you can get that medical attention, but there's a serious process that needs to be taken by medical professionals after Narcan is administered. Yeah, absolutely. They they definitely need to call nine one one. They definitely need to go to the hospital. They need definitely need to see a doctor and get medically cleared through the through the hospital or a medical doctor. Uh, you know, because um, you can overdose again. Um, the the problem, Jason, is is that the 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 people who are doing this and participating in this kind of behavior, their number one goal every day is to get high and to right. protect their addiction. Okay. So they don't care. Yeah. They they don't. They you know they're they're already willing to risk their lives and their bodies for you know that high or for that need that they have. 
Uh, and so I think that, you know, that was one of the things when I got involved with all of these things and, you know, dealing with the, the, the different sort of aspects of law enforcement versus the health department, the recovery, you know, community uh, and, and people really wanting for law enforcement to push the use of Narcan and to encourage people to use Narcan. And that that's a it's a it's a it's sort of a double edged sword for us, because when you inc- encourage people to use Narcan, you have an un sort of spoken acceptance of the use Mm -hmm. and from a law enforcement perspective and from you know my my i always say my second job is being the da my first job is being a mom and when i think of that you know and i've had people in my family who've had addictions um it's very difficult to encourage that use we do because it's a life-saving technique but you know for people that are listening to this podcast that have family members that are uh, addicted, you know, the, the Narcan, if you see any Narcan, if you see any, if you, if you never see any drugs, but you see that your loved one or your kid that has Narcan around, that's a huge warning sign. And, and the, the issue is, is they not only need medical treatment right after they use the Narcan, because either they will go into withdrawal or they could potentially still overdose if that, you know, they use again or there's enough in their system, um, but, but they also need treatment. Yeah. And and so there's a longer uh, there's a longer process than just you know grabbing some Narcan and saving someone's life. Yeah, you know the 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 whole thing with Narcan is is that a lot of times we don't talk about the the people that overdosed and survived. You know, it's it's th- that that's something that we're we, we're not talking about. But what we're trying to do now with Dr. Vora and his team is with the treatment center that I have, we are trying to set up, uh, put things in place to where when somebody overdoses, that they're gonna be able to be given our name and other treatment centers names so we can get to them immediately. That we can actually go and meet them where they're at. We could possibly start the detox process within a day of them coming out of the hospital, which is gonna save a whole bunch of lives here, I think. Yeah. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I mean yeah. that's the goal. That's the tough thing, though, too, because we can't we can't force them to go. No. Nope. And, and and you know it's kind of us here. Our mission: the the more that we can actually educate people. But how are you folks within your positions able to really educate the public a little bit more? <laughs> Or are you are you seeing some constraints? Well, De- you know, Dean's looking at me because that that's sort of the role that I have with the mm. weakening of the criminal justice system and the weakening of the laws in California. Prosecutors and police officers on the street are pretty much hamstrung yeah. because even when we do get people who are you know arrested or we have a good case where we catch people with dope or even dope and guns and we can prosecute them, the the laws because of the things that have changed over the last five to ten years are very weak. So the penalties are very week. So what what I have chosen to do in my capacity as district attorney is really take on the education and awareness, right, part of it. And and not so much, I mean, don't get me wrong, if we can prosecute a case, we do. Um, But we are really trying to educate that sector of the population that has yet to be exposed to this, right? Um, and, And yes, of course, the people who are currently involved in it or using it or their family members are using it, we have to address them too. But for the people that have not yet used it or don't know about it, that's a huge part of it. So we have a billboard campaign that we started about two years ago, which has been extremely effective. Uh, Dino and I are like a 25 cent dog and pony show. If you give us a quarter and a bottle of water, we will show up at your school and, uh, and, and talk to teachers, students, assemblies, anybody that will listen, we will talk to. I mean, we've 
done we've done things with five to ten kids, fifty kids, or five hundred kids. Yeah. Um, and so we do that. We we try to go out and and make the community aware. We're very lucky to have really good media partners, podcasts like this. Flint's been a great partner. Um, ABC Thirty's been a great partner. Fenceline Media, Fresno County Office of Ed. We're all kind of trying to work together. And then of course the health department and the and the um, Department of Behavioral Health in the county um, have been tremendous partners in assisting us. Yeah. Um, and we're all sort of addressing whatever sector of the population that is relevant to us. Uh, so 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 we can sort of do this whole wraparound and get people yeah. um, either prevent them from using, educate them about that, or help them if they are addicted. Yeah. You know, we, we learn early on that this is an actual terrorist attack on our kids, right? right? They know exactly the, the target our market to get young addicts, especially fentanyl addicts, addicted to this to this fentanyl. Lisa and I recognized immediately right from the get-go is the only way we're going to slow down this poisoning of our kids is getting out there on podcasts to get out there and, and speak, uh, you know, at the schools, um, to get out there and, and, and speak with the local leaders here in Fresno to let them know what's going on with our kids and, yeah. and how... The age where this is that where this is starting, you know, my my youngest victim was 13, right, and and it still continues to be the age group of 13, 14, 15, 16, uh, you know, the oldest usually being about 25. But the only way we're going to slow this down is getting out here and educating our, our yeah. kids and getting the message out, obviously about the Narcan and the dangers of, of fentanyl. But it all starts with the vaping and the THC yeah. uh, and getting them hooked on that and then transitioning into the into the fentanyl. Yeah, because the THC we're seeing now isn't the stuff when I was – granted, I never used marijuana when I was a teenager, but uh, it's not what it was when we were younger. No, not at all. In that. fact, we're seeing psychotic breaks with marijuana more than we've ever seen before just because the potency is so is so high. Well, I mean, you go, you know, you go back to that to the thing about what we've done with our laws in California, right? We just opened our first dispensaries in Cal in Fresno, right? And California has them all over the place and everyone's so excited about legalized marijuana because it helps people that are in need of medical issues. And there is a population of those people who legitimately need it for medical purposes. Right. And I think they can get it from their doctors so this whole but that's that's another story that's a the, whole the, other podcast the, the whole <laughs> the whole issue of accepting marijuana you know is is as a as a as a, a rite of passage or or just something that every kid does those days are over right mm, and you know what i say to people who are 50 years old and they're successful and they have businesses and families and white picket fences and the puppy in the in the in at the behind the fence wagging their tail when they come home from their you know $250,000 job and they get out of their tesla and they say oh i smoked pot all through high school and i say lucky you right yeah. because you're one of the lucky ones right. because i have yet in 27 years in this business ever talked to an addict whether they've been somebody who's been an armed robber a domestic violence abuser a child abuser or a murderer who's had a drug addiction and has killed somebody in the process of a theft or a rage not be a person who started off their addicted addictive disorder with marijuana every, Never, every single not one of us one every single Absolutely. that's 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 how i not started one. you know you start you start with alcohol normally and then you start with pot and then it just progresses from there you know mm -hmm. the one the one thing i did want to mention was and I, and I know we talk about this a lot is the fact that you know the the these kids don't know that fentanyl is in these pills that's been sort of the saying that we've kind of worked around the last year or so 
Not anymore. But not anymore. These kids know exactly what fentanyl is. They know what that M30 pill is. Mm. They know that the shape, the color, the stamp M30 on it. And they're still willing to take that chance for a couple reasons. One, Superman complex. This is never going to happen to me. Then, of course, the parents chime in. It's never going to happen to my child. But but when a parent says, well, well my kid doesn't know there's fentanyl in these. <laughs> well, of course they do. Right? I, I, I mean, er, and especially if now you become dependent on that drug, you know damn well that there's fentanyl in that thing and you're still gonna take the chance to use it anyway because you have to you have to maintain that high and that feeling or else like we all know, you're gonna get dope sick. New Perceptions North, the premier drug and alcohol treatment and recovery center in Central California. A full continuum of medically supervised top quality care with programs for detox, inpatient residential treatment with dual diagnosis, intensive outpatient treatment, sober living, support groups, and more. With 50 plus years of combined experience and sobriety, Flint Anderson and Thelma Gatlin Wilson provide adult men and women with the highest caliber of professional health care, treating each client with compassion and respect, in a safe, comfortable environment to begin the process of recovery, to proudly create and sustain a life without addiction, call 559-978-1507 or visit newperceptionsnorth.com. You know, Flint, we all, all of us who were teenagers <laughs> 100 years ago and who have teenagers know, it's, this is age old. This is the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I don't care when it was. All teenagers are risk takers. Everyone. I have a son who is peanut allergic. He's been, we've known since he was six months old. And, you know, we have the EpiPen in the house and all those things. Now, when he started to go to school, it was p terrifying for me because, you know, kids have peanut butter and jelly. And right. so we've gone through this whole thing. Now he is 15 years old. And my allergist, who's a dear friend, said to me, Lisa, I have kids who are also peanut and nut allergic. Just get ready. When he gets to be a teenager, he's going to start to, he's going to start to, to, to test it. He's going to, yeah. and I said, oh no, you don't know my kid. He's like me. He's paranoid. He's scared because if anybody had a peanut butter sandwich when he was in second, third, fourth grade, he'd get up and walk across the room. Right. He was deathly afraid of peanut butter. The other day in my house, uh, somebody brought in peanut butter pretzels and I said, oh no, 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 no. We don't, cause we don't have peanut butter in our house. Right. And he was messing with me and messing with, it was a, you know, the peanut butter was enclosed sure. inside the pretzel, but he was tossing it up and pretending he was gonna put it in his mouth. Just, just, just to get a rise out of me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just to get a rise out of me. He <laughs> would have never done that. Mess with mom. Right? Yeah. Well, that's his hobby. Uh, but, but, and of course I reacted, you know, and of course all the peanut pretzels went out into the trash can, right. but, but that's what they do. Right. Teenagers yeah. they test the waters and yeah. they're normal. It's normal behavior for them to do it. Right. It's just, this is a deadly, this is a deadly risk that they're taking. Yeah, absolutely. Like Lisa said, you know, we all made mistakes as kids, right? We, we all messed up, but today you cannot afford to make a mistake, right? If you take this one pill, it could cost you your life, right? right. And, and that's one of the things that we, we discuss when we go out to these homes, especially with parents and the kids, that you can't afford to make, to make a mistake today because eventually it's going to probably wind up taking your life or overdosing. A, a, well, par a parent just can't say, you know, a kid's going to be a kid. We got through mm -hmm. it. We did it. Mm -hmm. No, today it's going to kill you and it's going to kill you quickly. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's that simple. And parents, and it's so hard getting that across to parents yeah. these days. Yeah. They want to think everything's just normal, and it's just not. One other thing I want to mention, too, is, you know, I've been out to some houses where the parents kind of condone the use of marijuana. It's only marijuana. They do it in the backyard. You know, right. I, it, it's about educating. I educate the, the parents also on, on the use of marijuana and why it's different today. You know, the THC levels are a lot higher uh, today, especially in the THC vape pens, right, yeah. where it is 40, 50, 60 percent. THC resin. It's like right. almost smoking like 20 joints after you take that one puff of a of a vape, of a THC vape. So it's educating the, the parents because they've been kind of numb about this medical marijuana use and it's not that bad for, you know, kids. Well, I'm here to tell you it is bad, especially on, on adolescent brains, you know, where you're 14 and 15. Kids are not supposed to be ingesting that much THC into their system because it, it causes a whole other bunch of, of issues. Yeah. And now we're starting to see with these with these with these vapes and these THC pens that where I'm seeing where kids are actually having double lung transplants, right? Because of the amount of THC residents getting attached to, you know, the lung walls and their lungs are collapsing. So it, it brings a whole host of other medical issues with, with the vaping. And then not not to include but the use of the the pills, the the Xanax and the and the the M30 pills. It's it's a progression into the harder drugs and getting out there and educating the public and telling the parents it's not okay for your your, yeah. your kids to smoke you, marijuana. You, you know, you just you just said so much right there, Dino. And but it's almost like we I I think that we have to do some sort of campaign in order to reach more parents because I I always go back to and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it it was a Clovis Unified School this is a, this is a number of years ago that we and and by the way the school helped us get this set up for a parent meeting that we came in we were gonna talk to the parents they sent emails home they sent you know physical things home <clears throat> letting them know that this was gonna happen. And we had two parents show up. We've had that happen to us. Right. People no-show. Yeah. Yeah. Just no-show. And I, I, you know, I've, I've beaten my head against the wall for so many years on, on how do we get parents or how, how do we get in front of these parents? And my only thought here is that we have to have the schools helping us with this. And I don't know how they make it mandatory. But something has to be done so we can get in front of these parents. It, it's funny you say that because here, here's the thing. We, those of us in law enforcement, we do the same thing that you're doing in, in addictive recovery services. Yeah. Is we say, let's go to the schools, right? Let's go to the schools. Let's go to the schools. And the schools are so overwhelmed. The teachers are so overwhelmed. The administrators are so overwhelmed. They don't have to teach English and math just English and math anymore. Right. They have to teach social and emotional learning. They have to feed the kids. They have to be their school psychologists yeah. and make sure they have their shots. And I mean, the, the, the burden that is on these administrators and teachers today is overwhelming, but it is our best source of information spreading and information sharing. And so we do rely on them. And we are so fortunate here in Fresno County to have uh, such a great partnership with Jim Yavino, who's the current uh, superintendent of Fresno County Schools, and his uh, his uh, per the person who's taking over for him will be Michelle Cantwell Kofer, right. and she's also going to be a great partner. Uh, what we are so excited about, uh, Dino and I have sort of made it a mission that we want to have Narcan in all the schools and show you know documentaries and get in to speak to all the schools. And just uh, two about two weeks ago, maybe or a week ago, um, I, I said this. I had the same conversation with Jim. I I said, Jim, you know, you're going out. I said, you're retiring and your legacy could be to make sure that it is mandatory. And he yeah. said, I can't make it mandatory, but I can certainly encourage. But and sure enough, 
Well, because there's there's just every school has their, you know, every some of the schools are unified school districts and some are county schools and right. there's different jurisdictions and you know, getting principals to get on board when they're overwhelmed with poverty and they're overwhelmed with kids who are coming to school without shoes and and and, and empty bellies. Sure. You know, it's a lot for them. Sure. So mm-hmm. so he did he um he got together with Dr. Vora and they did get every principal in Fresno County Office of Ed schools including the parochial and private schools to agree to put Narcan on their Fantastic. campuses. And so they mm-hmm. uh, have a supply now right. because a lot of it was like, hey, where do we get it? Right. We'll go here or go there, but they're doing it now in mass and everybody is on board. And I say kudos to Fort, yep. kudos to, to Flint, kudos to whoever has participated in this education and awareness campaign because now the principals, because principals aren't different than parents, they have 100,000 things on their plate. Right. And they think, oh, fentanyl's not a problem here in our country school, or fentanyl's not a problem in our geographic area of Fresno. But now they're knowing that it is, and so this school year, starting school year, all of the high school campuses will have Narcan on the campus. That's fantastic yeah. because Great. you know we were talking to Randy the other day. Yeah, <clears throat> he's another gentleman that's he's got like 38 years of recovery. He does what what I do, but he does it in Florida. And we were talking about because because when we were talking, we basically had the same speech. No matter no matter where we go, he's just doing it in Florida, and I'm doing it out here. But I asked him. I said, "Are you still speaking at high schools?" And he said, "No." He said, I'm not. And I said, why not? He said, simply because every high school, at least in the state of Florida, they want us to soften our speech so much that we can't get anything across mm-hmm. to these kids, let, let alone the parents. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so happy to hear about Jim and, and, and doing <laughs> well, that. But, do you know, remember the first conversation we had with one of the educators? He said, well, I don't want to scare the kids because yeah. that's their nature. They're teachers. They're nurturers. And Dino and I said, what do we say? Yeah. We will. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll scare them. Yeah, we'll scare them. We'll, we'll, we'll scare them. Okay. These principals and these administrators and these teachers, are they're, they're, you know, the odds are against them, right? When you can show up to school with your cell phone you know, on, uh, when you can show up to school with a vape pen, when you can show up to school with an M30 pill, you know, and, and they're ordering up this stuff in, in school, how, how, what is the principals supposed to do, right? right? We have a lot of proactive principals that realize that and know that, right? And, and, and the vaping that's going on in the high schools, and, you know, it's, it's very difficult for today for, for our principal or administrator to understand that. And one of the things that Lisa and I do, and whether I have two people or four people, sure, I like to, get, uh, I like to have a whole auditorium full of people, but if I get the message out to just a couple parents on the dangers of this stuff and and you know going out going and doing presentations in the beginning of the school and letting the the, the administrators and the teachers know what to look for in their students right because because vaping goes goes on in inside the schools right mm-hmm. you know they wear the hooded sweatshirts and they pull it over their head and they vape inside their sweatshirts it's occurring in, in the classrooms letting the the teachers know hey this is what you need to look for this is the signs that, that something is going on with this kid in, in this particular classroom and, and try to intervene and try to do something right away about it instead of waiting yeah right did it did it did i tell you the one that uh that, that i never heard of this before but they're taking the strings from their hoodies and they're dipping it in wax so as they're sitting in the classroom they're just sucking on so that I mean, string like every kid does and that's just another way for them to use inside inside the classroom yeah. well and the candy fentanyl is oh, on that, the way that one just yeah, yeah. the candy fentanyl is on the way too it's yeah. in california thankfully yeah. we haven't seen it in fresno yet but it's it's on the way it's on we the have way. not you know we, we, we we've got a report of some candy fentanyl uh, on the coast uh, area and um this just goes to show you the target market right yep. why would wh- right. what's the intention of making candy fentanyl if you're not targeting 
the young yes. folks, our kids, right? Yeah. And it just goes to show you that's exactly their their uh, their target market, right? And now it's getting to the point now where um, you know they're, they're making the fentanyl a lot stronger. These pills are a lot stronger, right? And the reason why they're doing that is because they know kids are getting addicted. You're you're building a tolerance up for this fentanyl, right? So you have to make it stronger so the kids the kids seek it out more. Yeah. Right. right. It's it, it just goes to show you that that's their plan. That's why they're doing it. And well, and and your data of overdose alone shows exactly who they're marketing. You said 13 to 25. Absolutely. That is the range of a not fully developed adult brain. That's right. right. And weren't we talking at one time, you said something that just clicked in my brain about fentanyl being stronger because it's made in the lab. We can make it as strong as we want. Sure, it's synthetic. You know, that's, that's right. That's why heroin, I believe, is at some point going to go by the wayside because you still have to grow it and cultivate it and ship it and do all those things. But, you know. Drug cartels know the progression. They know they that, the, that if you do survive this, you're <clears> going to get addicted to it, and they want to make it stronger so they have more long-term customers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it comes right down They're to. They're creating it. their own market. Absolutely. You bet. You bet. Yeah. Do you guys actually think, because I know we've, we've had this discussion, I've had this discussion with several other people back in, in Washington, D.C., about the fact that China, some people actually believe that China, this is their covert war against us. And, and I, I was just interested to get your opinion on that because they, look, we as a society, we make up 5% of the world's population. We're using 99% of the world's Vicodin supply. We use 81% of the world's Percocet supply, oxycodone. Now, I don't know where we're at with fentanyl yet because there's no real numbers on that. But when you look at a society that's using that many opioids, I, I, I got to believe that somewhere down the line, China's going, aha, they're just kind of licking their chops at us. What do you think? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because you know what? As Americans, we are all sort of spoiled, you right? Bet. And I don't care if you're living at the poverty line or you're the richest person in the world economically and where your socioeconomic stat- status is. We live in a in a very um, we, we live in a, in a society where we don't like to be uncomfortable. Right. We don't like to 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 be uh, in pain. We don't like to have any discomfort, you know. And when I when I was uh, pregnant with my first child, I went to uh, prenatal yoga, and the lady there, who was the teacher, said, "When your body is in pain during labor, that's what's supposed to happen." And it lasts for a very brief period of time. You have a two-minute contraction. You have a three-minute contraction. So we're going to teach you how to breathe and put your body into the shape that you may get through labor labor without any drugs, you know, to be able to deliver naturally because that is what your body is supposed to do during that time period, right? But we don't like pain as Americans, so we take drugs, 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 drugs. If your body is in pain, there's something wrong. Right. You have something wrong with an organ. You have something wrong with a with a with a limb or or whatever. And look at how many people have cancer for years and years, and they don't even know it. And then they get the diagnosis; they're stage four. Well, and then you find out, oh, they were in pain for all these years. But what they do? They took Vicodin. Right. They took prescriptions. Mm-hmm. They did over-the-counter stuff to to try to alleviate that pain, and they don't address the core problem. Right. And the same exact thing is happening with addiction. We are just covering our pain. And for people like me who don't like politics, I know it's funny that you say that (laughs) because I have to run for for my job. I have to be an elected official. The politics from Washington, D.C. to Sacramento to the the dais in Fresno County or Fresno City affect 
all of this because these borders, and I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, nobody that that is an American citizen should want these loose borders. Right. If you are an immigrant whose family you want to come over, then we should have a better process to get people here, whoever it is, from whatever country. I'm not against immigration at all. My grandparents and my great-grandparents immigrated here from Italy and Denmark, and God bless America. But there was a process. Right. And this, this open border stuff is killing it our is. kids. Yeah. It, it, it is. We did a podcast, I, I want to say a year ago, with a young lady who's an influencer, and she's married to a Marine. She's like 27 years old. And here's this 27-year-old kid, right, who is taking this border thing extremely serious. And she was telling us about what they have found down on the border. Not only are people trying to get out of, <clears throat> excuse me, out of where they're at to, to, to get to us, but the cartels are lining those borders with their employees, so to sure. speak, and threatening these people. If if you're not bringing this over, we're going, and I, I know this is sick stuff, but, but they will take their babies, they will break their legs and throw them in the Rio Grande River. They're, they will do anything, these cartels, to get their product into the United States. And, and as, a, as a parent, I could just imagine what those parents are going through. If somebody made me that comment or said they were going to do that to my child, hell, I'd shove everything up my and, and butt you know, too to get and, it over here and to save you know my why kid. And you know why they're fearful? Because they see it happen. Right. Yeah. They see it happen. I have a friend who's a reporter for Fox, young kid, um, and I know him well, and he reports consistently on what goes on at the border and he tells me you know off the record lisa when we film it and we show it and we report on it it doesn't even even the photos even the videos doesn't show what's happening we can't capture it we can't show when you sit there and you watch the people coming over the river you see the abuse of the people he said that some of it we can't even air because you just you know sometimes you just you know you see a beautiful sunset and you can take a picture of it but it just doesn't register right it's the same thing of what's going on at the border it's absolutely atrocious and it needs to stop yeah it's pretty tough when we gotta fight something that's not on our soil too at the same time right i mean i couldn't imagine that process of what you folks face on a daily basis like you were saying uh you know people that come over end up in the system let's say they get arrested and there's no documentation on them whatsoever then what do you do especially with our laws now right well that's a whole nother that's a whole nother uh, subject of you know how we especially now during covid it's even become more challenging before covid we had overcrowded jails and overcrowded prisons and now we have a government in california where we have a governor who says we need to close prisons right, when right. when in actuality the most politically incorrect thing you can say in the state of california as an elected official is that we need to build more prisons and i've said it over and sure. over and over and i'll continue to say it we have more people we have more we have more criminals we we have right. you know the population increases you need more grocery stores you need more hospitals you need more prisons yeah. does anyone like to send people to prison of course not but if you don't have the capacity to house people who continually break the law you're going to have anarchy right. a- anarchy so that's where that's why we are where we are so not only has covid exacerbated it but the politics is really the the issue here in California because you know everybody wants to blame law enforcement officers and right. oh we have this or we have that or the jail messed up or the cops messed up or the DA messed up but it's not it's not that's not what it is it's right. the politics 
and the culture that we live in from Sacramento, where we have this society that we are doing the best we can every single day to juggle. And whether it's Fresno County or, you know, Tulare County just had a complete debacle down there. Right. Um, And and really, it's not a fault of a person, in my humble opinion. It's the fault of a system. Yeah. And, And without people watching it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people slip out that shouldn't slip out. And it's because we have so... We have such a stress every day of keeping the right people in the few beds that we have. Yeah. Right, that it's right. it's an overwhelming, daunting task. Yeah. So let's so let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk, let's let's talk about. I want to start with the with the Narcan and what you're seeing with with drug dealers, runners, drug runners, and what they're doing with the Narcan. I think everybody needs to hear this one. Yeah. So we just recently had a case where we had an overdose, uh, and we 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 had got some cooperation, and this particular person that was selling these drugs not only sold the M30 pills, the fentanyl pills, but he also gave my victim Narcan. Hmm. And to me, that just shows that this particular person who was selling this stuff knew that this was going to cause that person's overdose or possible death, which was kind of mind-boggling to me. So now the drug dealers are actually giving the Narcan to the people that they're supplying. And that, that's just, it just it's, it's taking it to another level. And that just shows the intent of these particular people that they'll do anything, uh, mm-hmm. not only to sell this stuff, but they're also telling uh, the person that they're selling it to, just be careful because this might happen. It's yeah. a lethal poisoning. Right. And they know it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When Flint mentioned that to me, I then asked because of the law, my understanding, first time, okay, slap on the wrist, but sign this paper. Is that almost like an admittance then? Like, do, can so we, we avoid that sign-off? We, 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 actually, we actually don't have that law in California okay. for fentanyl. We have it for drunk driving. Right. Uh, it, it, we have a warning that's given to people uh, when they are convicted of a, of a drunk driving case that says, if you do this behavior again, you know, it's, it's inherently dangerous to human life and you can and will be prosecuted for murder if you are involved in another drunk driving accident that eventually kills someone. And uh, we have tried, people have tried, I have tried, we have tried to push this through Sacramento, um, through the Assembly and through the Senate, and the, the public safety committees and both the Assembly and the Senate have put the kibosh on it both times. And there's, a, there's been a senator down in Southern California who sponsored a bill called Alexandra's Law. And, uh, you know, many of us have supported it and tried to push it through, but the, the left of the left won't hear it. They just mm. won't, they won't hear of passing laws that will increase the number of people who go to prison because the overarching uh, theory for these politicians is to close prison. So they don't want to pass laws that are going to increase the prison population. Right. They don't care. They yeah. don't care. And, and their politics and the people who feed their political coffers are more important to them than the lives of the citizens they represent. Absolutely. And that's why it's just despicable what's going on up in Sacramento. It loses all pragmatic nature. No common a, sense at all. Right, right. So, so where do you guys think that these drug cartels, the, again, the drug runners, are getting their Narcan because we, you know, we give out Narcan for free here. So what we're starting to do here at, at Payne is to get people's information if we don't know them. Uh, you know, getting a copy of their driver's license, getting, getting all their information. And we're, we're only gonna give out two boxes per person because it, it seems like they're either sending their people in to organizations like ours to get it, or they could even be forming nonprofits themselves and making that connection with directly with the Narcan people to get their supplies in. Have you seen anything like that? Uh, I don't. I do not know where they're getting it from. To be honest with you, 
Flint. Um, I know they're getting their hands on it, and where where they're getting it, I know I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Flint. I mean, you're very well aware of how addicts work, and oh, yeah. you know when people <laughs> overdose, they are given Narcan. Their parents are given Narcan right. if they're minors, and oftentimes I think sometimes, and, and this is just speculation. You know, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm if if they would sell the, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the people who are getting it from a, a, a good source, an ethical source, or selling it back to the drug dealers. You know, for for drugs. Sure. You know that that that's a possibility. There's always all, also the possibility. You know that some. Sometimes there are people that work in healthcare, just like yeah. that work in the law, just like that work in in law enforcement or or churches that you know or even don't treatment have, don't have the best ethics. Yeah, yeah. treatment facilities you that are bet. not ethical, and so you know they they, they find a way. They yeah. find a way, just like they find a way to find everything else. Yeah. Look, I, I was one of those guys. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was one of. If there was an angle, I was working it, and I was and I was doing it. But it still ceases to amaze me, you know, the, the, the lengths that the addict and the drug dealer will go to for us to get our drugs to 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 do whatever it takes, you know. And, and we live we live in the Gordon Gecko Society. Wasn't yeah. that the Michael Douglas yeah. character yes. that uh-huh. said greed is good? Oh yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. Greed Wall is Street. good. Yeah. Right? That's the American way. Greed is good. Right. Nothing is ever enough. Right. We always want more. And if you were to ask anybody, why do you sell drugs? Why do you push drugs? Why do you run drugs? Money. Yeah. Yeah. It's all. It always it's all comes money. down to money. it. Yep. And by money. the way, this is big money. This is this. Money. This isn't nickels and dimes. I mean, this this is big time money. And uh, and again, if 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 I don't even know if there's an end to this. I mean, I sit back on so so many days, and I go, Am I am I just trying to sweep the ocean back with a broom here? Because that's, and I'm sure you guys have to feel like that at some point too. But when I hear of the Jim Yavinos and, and, and the good stuff that you guys are doing and we're doing, I mean, there's that hope. There's that light of hope that I see that, that keeps me going every day. And it's got to keep you guys going as well. I mean, I think we're doing things here in Fresno County that, that other counties aren't doing. No. I, we've, I, had, we've had people on a, on a national level say that Fresno's the model. That's, Which for me is like, wow, yeah. that's super cool. Yeah. You know, we've had people say that Fresno was the model. Senator Feinstein went on the floor of the U.S. Senate and said Fresno was the model many years ago for human trafficking, right. um, education and awareness and prosecution. And, and so that was a big compliment to us. And I think now that, that, you know, Dino's gotten me involved and we've partnered with people in the private sector as well, right. um, we are also serving as a, as a model for the nation. I know the DEA here in Fresno um, has been very proud of some of the work we've been the work we're doing here in Fresno has been featured in their you know their their newsletter if you will that goes out to all the DEA agents all over the world right. um, and the, and the collaboration that we have with the federal prosecutors the state prosecutors um, and and even our Cal DOJ you know that is sort of uh, dominated by that that political wing yeah. there's still a lot of really good people that work at Cal DOJ that help us. Right. Um, and, and we have a new sheriff coming in Fresno who is extremely aware of the issues su- uh, surrounding fentanyl that's right. now starting to leak out into the county areas where maybe before it wasn't present. Uh, so we're really excited about bringing Zanoni on to this team. And uh, we have a new police chief. Well, he's right. not so new anymore. He's been I, here almost for two great. years. I, I, I love And uh, I had a meeting with him yesterday and a new supervisor from the DEA that was very encouraging about some things that we're going to, projects that we're going to be able to put together. Is fentanyl going anywhere? No. 
No, yeah. it's not. There's just too much money to be made in it. You see the seizures yeah. that we're seeing across the country, right? That, that's just the seizures that we know about. Fentanyl is not going anywhere. I believe it's going to replace other drugs like heroin. I believe mm-hmm. heroin is going to be obsolete here in the next two years. Um, and then the addiction part of it, right? People are going to need to, to seek out to seek out fentanyl. Right. Only thing we can do is hopefully slow the momentum down of, of our overdoses that we're seeing, the overdose deaths that we're seeing, and just get the message out that way and hopefully get more stricter laws, right, to, to, to have more penalties for people that get caught with this stuff um, right. is going to help. Um, but fentanyl is not going anywhere. They're going to actually make a stronger uh, fentanyl. And what we're hearing now is they're making fentanyl that actually has no effects on Narcan. So we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing we're seeing car fentanyl. We're seeing things like xylazine and nilazine to where they're putting this stuff in, in these in the fentanyl, and it has no reverse effects with Narcan. Right. And that's the scary part about yeah. it, right? How you gonna how you gonna reverse the effects when when you get something like this? Right. So it's gonna be a bigger problem. And you know, the average person that I talk to, you know, again, I'm a mom before I'm anything else, so I have a lot of mom friends and parent friends, and they say, Lisa, why do drug dealers want to sell a drug that's gonna kill people? I said, because for every 10,000 pills they sell, I'm making these numbers up, I don't know what the numbers are, but for, for the thousands of pills they sell, only one person dies, right? right? It's just you just don't know who that who's going to get that hot pill, right? Or how that hot pill might affect somebody. Uh, d- you know, one person could take a pill that's hot and they might just overdose and right. the other person might die. You don't know. So so the risk reward for the dealer is a no-brainer, right? Mm-hmm. The risk reward for the user is deadly. And Absolutely. and you just don't know. And and this is the thing I think that we as again as Americans, we love stats. Everybody loves stats. If you ever hear Lisa Smithcamp speak extemporaneously or from a from a sheet, which I very rarely do, even when I write them, I don't read right. them, you will get very few stats. Right. You know why? Because I don't believe them. Right. The stats are only as good as the information that is is put into them. So sure. if you were to survey 10,000 high school students and you said, here's an anonymous survey, go on SurveyMonkey or whatever they do, and fill this out. Do you use drugs? Do you smoke marijuana? Da, da. Most of them are going to lie because they're right. going to think, "Oh my God, my parents are going to see it. This is yeah. a setup. Whatever." Okay, so we'll do it. We'll do it here. You can just do this. They thought, "I'm not going to do that." The people don't give accurate information. That's so right. all those stats that we have, they're fine for guidelines. But the bottom line, at the end of the day, until people in this country—and I don't care if you're religious or you're not, or you believe in God or you believe in Buddha or you believe in nothing—if you believe in butterflies, I don't care—have people have to change their moral compass. Yeah, absolutely. We have lost our way as Americans. We don't value family. We don't value hard work. We don't value friendships. We live in this me. Everybody gets a everybody gets a sticker. Don't be mean to people. Don't hurt people's feelings. Everybody and gets a participation everybody, trophy. Everybody's yeah. a winner. Well, right. you're not. Right. You know, yeah. when we're driving down the street, my kids say to me, "Mom, please don't sing." <laughs> Mom, don't sing. Right. I can't sing. I can't knit. I don't look good in a bathing suit. But you know what? I am passionate about criminal justice. Yeah. I'm passionate about kids. I can speak. I can talk to the cows come home. That's really all I'm good at. Right. And you know what? We have to get back to that society to say, you know what? I'm good at digging ditches. Right. I'm good at being an electrician. I'm good at painting pictures. I'm not good at everything. I'm right. not going to drive. Not everybody has to drive a Porsche. Right. Not everybody has to have a diamond ring. We need to get back to the place in our country where we can say, like, um, my dad was a pipe fitter. Right. My yeah. mom was a bookkeeper. 
And who would have ever thought they would have given birth to somebody who could be the district attorney? I mean, there's J-Lo from the block. There's Lisa from the, Lisa from, you know, the street I'm not going to say because my mom still lives there. But, but, you know, we have to change our moral compass in this country to go back to values that mattered, that built the country. And until we do that, yeah, fentanyl is going to rain. Absolutely. I'm going to go back to that stat thing that you said, and you're absolutely right. I I never give a lot of stats Mm -hmm. when I'm speaking, but this is the stat that I will use. There was a survey done a couple of years ago where 25% of high school student athletes admitted to using a narcotic painkiller for non-medical reasons within the past year. Of course. Right? Yeah. But here's but here's my point to that. How many of those kids didn't raise their hand? How many didn't admit Double it, it Flint. Double it, <laughs> triple it maybe. Yeah. We, we we so so that stat is is not accurate either. Yep. You know, so you're right on, on on the stats and and the moral compass thing. My God, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Mm-hmm. If, we we are in such turmoil right now, every every which way we look. Again, I don't mean to be the downer here, but I just don't know how how we're going to pull our asses out of this thing. I, I I really don't know. But I think we all have that that mentality of we save one at a time. Yep. That's all we can do. One, one at a time. That's all we can do. You know, something I always say is I don't, I, 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 you know, very, I get involved a little bit with Los Angeles and San Francisco now because of the horrendous district attorneys they have there. But otherwise, <laughs> I stay here. You know, I like to stay calling here. it like it she is. She calls it just like because it is. Because we can't fix the world. Right. But Fresno is still a community that is, is small enough that we can dictate who we are. Yeah. yeah. And if I can have a small part of that, then I'm happy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's important, one of the things that, that you brought up and that I see and frustrating to me as a parent with two teenagers now, goodness, is that since the community is gone, uh, had an issue at the park, one of the kids went up to the mom, not my kid, well, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, but now we can't say anything. People don't. You know, it's gotten this not my kid mentality. Well, I'm, no, I'm sorry, your kid yeah. door dashed and went right. and hid and then threw some some chips towards us. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the wood chips. I'm just <laughs> letting you know, because it's you know your job. Hit not my kid. That's right, ma'am. Here's my camera. Yep. You want to see? It's on my camera. Yep. You know, and it's like people don't want to have that mentality when I was growing up. As it takes a village. Yep. You know, my mom. Thank you. Elisa, yeah. I, I didn't know Jason was doing that. Yep. Let's get him in order now. And it's it's yeah. gone away. Too we much need to the, change like, back to that to yeah. that way. Right. Like you and I argue, you're not their friend. Right. I have this all the time with my two. Yep. I'm not your friend. I'm yeah. your parent. Yep. When you get older, we will become more like peers. It'll yep. be up to you. But, but we, you know, we see it in so many different aspects of the world, right? We see it with with some of the, you know, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of parents and moms who over-sexualize their daughters. Oh, right? good oh, God, God. We're talking yes. about human trafficking issues oh, yeah. and why girls are yeah. so promiscuous. You know, yeah. in our day, you, as a, as a young lady, you had to be afraid of the man who wanted you to try to do something sexually that you weren't ready for. Guess what? Today, lock up your boys. 
right. because the, the the young teenage girls are so over sexualized, yes, and then that a lot of that behavior, when it continues, you know, to go on, it causes lower self esteem, it causes more sexual behavior, and that is another thing that leads to anxiety, depression, which mm-hmm. then leads and then to drug potential use, drug use, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you know, does. it's it's just all a slippery slope. But you know, you see these mothers who are encouraging their 13, 14, 15 year old girls to dress like they're prostitutes. Right. These prom dresses. Oh God. I mean, and I these are these are some people that I know. They're my dear friends. I look at these pictures, you know, from from these these events and these parties. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. almost disgusting. Micro dresses, you know, yeah. in fifteen really and sixteen year olds. Right. And it's it's you know it really is it's the parents. I don't believe that children are born like this. You know they they're they're, they're allowed yeah. to to go down these roads, and it's it's really something we have to address as a as a as a city, as a county, and as as a nation. Yeah. And I get asked all the time, you know, why why do kids start using drugs? And one of my first responses is because you as the parent are trying to or or want them to be what you want them to be instead of what they want to be. Now, a kid really is not gonna make that determination. You're gonna change majors three times, right? But, but you have to give them that freedom to do that. At least that's my opinion. I mean, how many parents have I dealt with over the years that want their kid to be the starting first baseman for you know Clovis West baseball team, and the kid doesn't have any baseball ability at all, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, they think he's already gonna sign a, you know, a four-year deal with the San mm-hmm. Francisco Giants, yeah. whatever it is. And, and all of a sudden that kid feels that kind of pressure Sure. And now, now he's walking around campus and he's pissed off and, 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 and some friend goes, here, man, try one of these because it's going to make your parents just disappear. Yep. Yeah. And or what you, he's, you want to hit the ball better? Hey, th- that's, that's That's the beginning of it. You know, these, these kids go to school. They, they fail a test. They didn't make the baseball team and they make the football team. These predators at these schools see this. Yeah, and are. that's the opportune moment to get at these, these vulnerable kids to start either vaping or using a pill or whatever it might be, and that's, that's, that's where it starts. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'll never forget, I was watching that uh, documentary, Varsity Blues. I don't know if you ever saw mm-hmm. that. And those two kids that are on there that, that were getting ready to find out if they were accepted to, this, to their university of choice, and both of them didn't. And they both looked like they were going to have a nuclear meltdown right there on camera. There was no plan B. There was no, oh, it's okay. You know, you can go to a, to a, to a city college and get your GED out of the way and then transfer to a four-year college. No, it was none of that. My God, they, they, they went ballistic. And my first reaction was, those are the type of kids that are going to be walking through my door five years from now. No. Because they don't know they, they don't yeah. know how to handle any type of pressure like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Or their parents have just fixed everything for them, yeah. you know. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of people in the world, you know, I have had two teenagers, one going to college and one, one still in high school, and they both have jobs. And people say to me, your kids work? Right. <laughs> wow, how did you get them to work? Hell yeah. And I, and I, I say, well, you know, you know, I pay for their clothes and we, I mean, we pay for their stuff, but like they, they work because their mother works and their father works. And if we do anything in our house, it's work. Yeah, we don't do everything perfectly, but we work really hard. And, you know, my daughter worked in a restaurant where there was a lot of raw fish. And, uh, and, you know, she would come home with this terrible, you know, shoes with all kinds of sushi all over the place. <laughs> and, you know, people, were, people that were her peers and my peers were astonished that she worked in a, in, a, in a manual labor job. And I just look at them and shake my head. 
Right. You know, and say, I don't care if your kid walks the neighbor's dog or takes out the trash for everyone on the block. You know, there was a kid on our block one time who was eight years old, and he would ask us if he we would pay him a dollar to take out our trash cans. I'm Love like, a dollar? Right. I'll pay you Love five dollars to take him out. And five dollars to bring him in because I a, forget. On a Sunday night, sure. I don't want to take Absolutely. those garbage cans out. Send you know, them over to my house. There's all kinds of things that kids can do. Yeah. They don't have to go get a job. There's, you know, it's it's not a cool thing to be a grocery bagger anymore like it was when we were kids or. Right. Deliver the Fresno Bee. You know, kids don't work. Their parents don't. They want. They need to sleep in, and they don't make them do yard work. You know, who who on the north end of Fresno doesn't have a cleaning lady and a gardener? Right. Right. There's nothing wrong. We have a gardener, but we are. My kids are out in the garden. They complain. They yell. They. I mean, honestly, they do. One time, my son. One time, my son got in trouble, and my husband made him dig holes. And he thought they were going to plant trees, and he said, "Fill them, fill them up. back, yeah. fill them back up again." Fill them I up. love that one. You know, so yeah. parents have to to start to parent. Yeah, yeah they do. Have yeah, to start to parent. Do. We have to be more involved with our kids. These these phones make kids lazy, right? You can do whatever you want on these phones. You can order whatever you want on these phones. I kind of use the um, the term like back in the days where Christmas was rolling around and, and you as parents, hey, what do you want from Toys R Us? Let's go to Toys R Us and let's pick out some toys, right? Sure. That was kind of like a, a thing where a family bonding type thing, right? We don't have that anymore, mm-hmm. right? Well, you look forward to Christmas and you look forward to picking out your toys. Now everything's done. Hey, well, what do you want for Christmas? Yeah. Go on whatever and, and order up your toys or whatever. That's the kind of thing we're talking about, you know, getting back involved with your kids 24-7, knowing what they're doing, knowing who their friends are, not making them lazy through these yep. damn yeah. phones. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just the basics. The I basics, mean, just getting the back basics. to the basics. And, 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 and it's so critical for parents to know who their friends are. It's critical for these parents to check their kids' phones. You Parents, you own the phone. Yeah. You're paying for that phone. You yeah. have every right. You, your kids don't have rights when they're when they're underage and living in your house. And even if they're overage and they're living in your house, that's your house, that's your rules. Check that damn phone. Phone. And 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 the thing is, is that even parents who are engaged, they still have yeah. the risk that their kids are going to go sideways. It's that one time, that one right. day, that one friend, that one breakup, that one bad test. I tell my 15-year-old that all the time. You're not done. Right. Just because your mom is the DA and just because you know about fentanyl and you know about marijuana doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. Right. And it could be my kid any day. The, the, the older one's going off to college. I, I, who knows what's going to happen to her? Yeah. She's been an angel thus far. But who knows what boyfriend right. she's going to get? Who knows how the pressure of being away is going to be uh, right. affect her mental health? We always have to be on. We always have to be engaged. And we always have to pray or hope that that, that it's not going to be our kids who fall victim to that. Right. And if you are paying attention, you're less likely, but it doesn't mean you're immune at all. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and that's that's the other thing. It hap- It can happen to anybody's kid. It's just not the parent that can't or won't control their child. Of course it's not. not in that neighborhood any longer. It's in every neighborhood. Doesn't matter what your socioeconomic background is. Doesn't matter what your faith is. Doesn't matter that you go to church every Sunday. Mm-mm. Doesn't matter that they're playing first base on Clovis West baseball team. Yeah, and it happens to good parents. All it happens to the good time. kids. I can't tell that you how That stigma has to go away that this only happens to negligent parents or bad parents or parents who aren't engaged because it happens to those too as dino's saying if you do engage and you are in the phone and you are you can go too far with that too because you have to have your 
to, you know, there's a fine mm-hmm. balance. You don't want them to not learn how to be responsible on their own. And I, you know, I say, people ask me all the time, oh, what do you think about this or that? I said, don't come to me for parenting advice <laughs> because I, I'm just winging it every right. day. We're all winging it. Well, there's no manual. You have to do what's best for your kid. The way I parented the older one is not how I parent right. the younger one. And how I parent the bonus kid is not how I parent the other two. Right. And and it's it's every day it's a battle. Every day it's a struggle to keep them on the straight and narrow. Yeah. And and I think that if we start to admit that it's not easy and we have that sense of community and we share with each other. Dino and I talk about our boys all the time. You know, we try to get them together because they're, you know, it's good for mine. He's a little bit older. They both play yep. baseball to be the, my guy to be the role model and his, you know, got his one to be around the kids that are maybe a year older than him. And, you know, we try to, we try to do that, you know, connect yourself with people who are of the same value system as you, of the same, you know, that, that your kids have the same interests, whether it's theater or music or sports or, or, or even gaming, you know, there's a right. lot of kids that aren't scholar athletes or, or whatever, that they, they have other things they do. Embrace that, you know, and Absolutely run with it. Absolutely embrace it. Run with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. Where do we go from here, guys, as a city and a county and as a valley? You know, where do, what, what, what's our next move? Is there, is there something that we're all looking at for the future here as far as promoting, you know, the, the I don't want to say promoting the fentanyl crisis, that's the wrong thing to say, but, but in attacking this issue that we've got? What's coming next? Um, I just, I would, I would say just keep the pedal to the metal and keep doing what we're doing. Uh, like Lisa said, we set the standard yeah. here in Fresno all over the country. And they're modeling everything we do. I get calls constantly, what are you doing in Fresno? We want to set up the four team in, in our particular area. Keep getting out, educating the public, educating the kids, educating the schools, um, showing our, you know, the documentary. This um, guy's going all over the nation to speak. They don't call me that often, but they call him every, I mean, he's been to Nashville and all kinds of different places to speak, to set up the model, right? Right. To to do the model. And, and I think that's important. I am actually in negotiations and discussions right now with, uh, with, with Dean's boss, Chief Balderrama and, uh, and our, and our good partner over at the U.S. Attorney's Office, Kim Sanchez, where we're going to start to have a yearly summit for law enforcement, um, out at the Fresno PD training center. And, and, and it's like a hot topic, right? We're going to just bring the feds. Um, because we have such great partnerships with DEA and Homeland Security and the FBI uh, together with the with the locals, the state right. and locals. And we're going to have a summit every year. We're going to try to do it this year in November. Um, and, of course, the topic this year has to be fentanyl. Sure. And so um, we're hoping to have a two-day summit, um, one to train law enforcement on all the new things because it changes every day. Yeah. It changes. All the trends change, how they're selling, how they're receiving, what it looks like. Right. Um, and then another day for community partners, health care. I was just, um, just going to say because – Addictive I, recoveries and all that. Right, concern. because I think it's important for law enforcement – personnel to know about treatment right and and vice versa and and vice versa Mm -hmm. you you bet yeah so we're looking forward to doing that you know to to setting now you know chief balderrama's been here for almost two years he's got his his sea legs now he knows the players he knows the people we have you know formed good relationships the relationship between fresno pd and dea is really working well Uh, we have some new supervisors in for homeland security and dea that are really helpful to us Um, and we are building, you know, those bridges uh, to be even stronger and, you know, stronger and longer than they are now. And, and we're hopeful that, uh, that we, can, we can really do some good things in this community. You bet. You Excellent bet. to hear. Thank goodness. 
Jason, what do you got for us? Anything? You know, Flint, after this conversation, I'm going to go back to the thing I always say. There's no outside solutions to inside problems. That's it. If we just worked on ourselves, things would be a lot better off looking for that validation. But thank you. This has been a real honor and pleasure to meet you both and get the knowledge. I I want to do this again down the line for sure. Absolutely. Guys, again, you're my, you're my favorites. You always have been and always will be. These guys fight harder than anybody I've ever met. And uh, just we, we appreciate you so much. Thanks Thank again, you. and we're, we're, we're going to keep doing this. We're Thank not going to give up. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at Pain Nonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. This podcast contains the views and opinions of hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page.